Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you're joining us and you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Matthew chapter five and the other in Luke chapter 22. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series called The City. And what's true about every guy who's listening to this video podcast or podcast and is watching the live stream is either you live in a city, you drive into a city, or you're in the, let's call it, a regional footprint of the city. So this, this message applies to all of us because practically cities are hubs, they're anchors for lots of stuff, logistics, economics, services, culture, diversity, power, talent, architecture, science, I mean, arts, you name it. Cities are centers. They put people together in dense and diverse ways. And it's, it's a challenging place, but it's also an impactful place. It's also a spiritual hotbed because, because cities uh, create kind of a, a restlessness. And as we've been talking about, they're so important. Uh, so whether you live in the rural part or the suburban part or the urban part, all of us need to care about what happens in the cities. And I've been talking about how Everyman Ministries is committed to city transformation. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But on a spiritual level, here's let's, let's dial this down even further uh, and just say that cities, these, these powerful centers of change and transformation for cultures and countries are centers of epic spiritual warfare. In every city that you're connected to, um, there's two kingdoms and two agendas going at it. And I mean, turn on the news, right? And you can just see it in living color, right? There's the kingdom of God, right? Christ uh, as the king, and then there's an evil agenda and an evil orchestrator who's trying to advance his agenda that is against God, against God pur God's purposes uh, being realized and manifested, and against God's people. So there's this epic collision, right? And so that's, that's kind of number one on the spiritual level that we need to know. But here's a cool observation too. The Bible declares in Genesis chapter one right here that man started off in a garden. But you know, when you get more toward the end, we realize that we are headed toward the eternal city, the city of God, that God's future redeemed world and universe is depicted, get this, as a city. So no matter what your feelings are, you're headed toward a city, right? That's what the Bible says about Abraham, the man of God. He sought the city whose builder and maker is God. And this isn't, the, this isn't Oz. This isn't fantasy. This is yours and my reality. We are seeking and headed toward the city of God. The city is God's idea. It's not man's, and if you don't like the city, you might not like heaven a whole lot. So some of us need to kind of change our attitude toward the city. We might be more country or rural or suburban, but the life and the energy of the future for us feels 
like a city. The third reason we got to think about the city is because Spirit-empowered men, listen, who were filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed by the Holy Spirit, overflowed, right, the Holy Spirit in a city to birth the church. Think about it. Jesus, three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries of movement. Where did that start out? In a city. Men gathering, men being filled, men being transformed, men overflowing and fulfilling the prophetic word that Jesus had over them, that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the epicenter of a movement that would extend it to the entire world through time to you and me right now. So what do we draw from, from all of those? Your place matters. Your time and your place matters. Your city, your community matter, right? And that's what we kind of laid out in part one. So in part four, what we're gonna explore is we're gonna continue down this path of looking at the specific ways spirit-empowered men are called in scripture to come together and impact their city or community. And to get you thinking in the right direction for today's specific way, I, I gotta open up a not so great chapter of my life. Now, in the Luck family, it's a tradition to play the turkey bowl. You know, a bunch of guys, gals, they, you know, we show up at the field on Thanksgiving day, you know, and this year was, was no different. Um, great time, fun, doing what we love, playing football. But on the last play, it was kind of like a Hail Mary, so I was, uh, I was the free safety out there roaming in the back, and so I knew what was coming. So, uh, right, the ball snapped, goes to the, the quarterback. I'm just kind of backpedaling a little bit. Ball goes up. I realize that I backed too far up because I didn't want the ball to get behind me, and I plant my back foot, and I literally heard my tendon snap, okay? It was like somebody hit me in the back of the lid. It was gross, okay? It was kind of gross. Gross sound, gross look. I went down, and I was in physical pain, make no mistake, a lot of physical pain. But it was not to be compared to the emotional pain that I was going to feel when I walked two blocks or hobbled two blocks back to my house. Here's why. We were moving in six days. So the number one horse, the number one mule, box carrier, furniture mover, disassembler, all of that, right, is now on injured reserve during this time. And there's no stopping the move. We got to be out of our house, right? So we're moving and I'm useless. So this is not a good situation. I mean, come and help. Because my wife said before I left, I don't know if I want you to play because you might get injured, babe. Oh my gosh. This was, can you imagine? This was awful. So here we are, like I'm trying over the next few days to just help a little, I can't do anything. I, I literally cannot walk hardly. And so on move day, 
you know, here's my, my mother-in-law and my wife packing boxes and all. It's going to take us forever, right? So I'm standing at the mouth of my garage. All of a sudden, I kind of hear like far away. I hear someone's shifting gears on a big truck. And then it gets closer. And then down the block, I see this massive flatbed truck. It's my buddy Darren in this massive flatbed truck. And there's like 15 guys riding in the back. And they just show up. And I'm looking at my wife's face. And she is just transfixed at the sight of the air cavalry, you know, coming out, unloading, right? Going to work for her and <laughs> bailing me out, right? But let's just go back to what was going on. I have never felt like so helpless and now so happy and unburdened. Can we say that together? Unburdened in the same moment. My load was, my load <laughs> literally and emotionally was gonna get carried. I mean, how do you think I felt, right? They did in five hours what would have taken me and, a, and, and my family like three days, right? So I just think like Patton's third army rolling off and onto the beach in France could not have looked more glorious than that flatbed of spirit-empowered men rolling up to my driveway. Now, here's what I want us to, to glean out of my, that story. The burden that I was carrying was the context for the appreciation of the glory of God. I mean, these guys showed up, and man, did they ever turn heads, both in my family and on my block, let's just say they went the second mile. You see, burdens around us, and everybody's burdened around you, you're gonna learn that, are opportunities and the context for God to be glorified in a city and in a community. Just let the paint dry on that. Let that sink in, burdens around us our opportunities and the context for God to be glorified in our city and community and for people to feel unburdened. So in part four, here's where we're gonna go. This is what we do each time. We're gonna see God's heart and what God models when it comes to the burdens around us that people carry. Then we're gonna look at what burdens do to human beings and then we're gonna look at the model of spirit-empowered guys in a city and how we can imitate that in our own cities through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. So get your downloaded notes and uh, let's, let's start there. And just as a, as a context for that first verse from Matthew 5, let me just say, and I think all readers of the Bible will know this, if you're new to the Bible, uh, this will be a help to you. When Jesus was explaining things, to his guys about how they would really stand out, really turn heads, really make an impact, uh, he would engage in what could best be called 
rhetorical overstatement, right? And he would do this. He would over, he would pick a way to overstate something, to wake up his guys, get them to look really closely at their own lives, their values, and their lifestyle. And we see that in this first passage in Matthew 5 at the top of your downloaded notes. So let's take a look at that. Here he goes. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, here is why um, this is, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got their attention because he just like poked all these issues, you know? I mean, it's, what he's saying is radical. And if you take Jesus literally, they're gonna spend their whole lives being abused and beaten up by people, codependent and be naked and broke, right? It's hyperbole, okay? You can look that up, but it's exaggeration. Jesus does the same thing in Mark 9 when he says, you know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off, you know? Um, his point there was to take sin seriously in Mark 9. So what issue here, talking about eye for eye, people slapping you on the cheek, you know, someone wants to sue you, take your shirt, give them your coat, forces you to go one mile, go, go two miles with them. What issue here in Matthew 5 does he want his men to take seriously? And this is a great foundation for where we're, we're heading, okay? The issue Jesus wants them to face is an old one. It's the reality of human selfishness, human self-protection in like a colloquialism. It's like getting yours, right? He's taking on human selfishness and getting yours in this, in this passage. And now that he's got their attention, uh, what is it that he wants his guys to understand? What is it that he wants you as an individual to understand, and, and men in cities and communities to understand, all right? Four really simple themes coming out of that, that hyperbole there in Matthew 5. And here's the first one. As followers, we rein in our rights. What does that mean, okay? All it means is kind of how it sounds. You might have the right to do something, but it doesn't mean that you should because you might have a different inner conviction where, and freedom, even though you have the right to do something, maybe that's not the best thing uh, to do to shine the light of Christ, right? And to be salt in your city and your community. Secondly, as a theme, as followers, we lead the perceived injustices that we experience with God. It's kind of along these themes of we rein in our rights, right? If anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Also, if someone wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well, right? There are certain things that we could react and retaliate with, but even though we can, we need to consider as followers of God that maybe God wants to take care of that vengeance and maybe maybe our character isn't and emotions aren't in the spot where we would do that right. That's why we put it 
into the character and conduct of a holy, perfect, just God. All right, so as followers, when things happen to us that were out of our control, that, that harmed us, right? Justice for that sometimes needs to go into the hands of God, right? That we can, we don't have to react and retaliate right away because there, there's God, all right? So that's the second theme. Third theme, as followers, we sense and seek opportunities, listen to this, to be unusually selfish. And man, I'm telling you, he hit a nerve with all his guys when he said, if anyone forces you to go a mile, one mile, go with them too. I mean, he could not have punched the bruise uh, and, and gotten them to notice what he was talking about them by saying that. Because in his time, a Roman soldier could say, hey, Jew, yeah, come, come take all my gear and carry it for me for the next mile. It was law in Palestine and, and in, and in Jerusalem and Judea and in that region, wherever the Romans were, it was the law that they could conscript any citizen and they could make you carry their stuff for one mile. And Jesus is going, yeah, if they make you do that, uh, you know, when you get to the one mile marker, just go, no, I got it. <laughs> it's like so unusually unshelfed, shocking. It's shocking, like that would have to, like if you did that to a Roman soldier at the one mile mark, he might have thought you were on something because Jews resented that. But again, as followers, um, we're doing things a little differently, right? And then the fourth theme is as followers, we, we prompt curiosity, right? We prompt curiosity uh, by our actions. You know, there's the second mile thing, and then she's like, hey, give to the one who asks you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I mean, it's like, okay. This, all of these behaviors are counterintuitive, would require tremendous faith, tremendous restraint, tremendous uh, humility. Exactly because they're followers of Jesus now. They've been transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his wonderful son, right? And followers don't do the expected thing. Followers do the kingdom thing. Are you, are you smelling what I'm stepping in here, guys? Followers don't do the expected thing. Followers do the kingdom thing. And the kingdom thing sometimes is we self-limit and we rein in our rights. Sometimes we don't react and retaliate. And we actually seek and sense opportunities to be unusually generous and unselfish. And man, as followers, we prompt people to be curious now. It's like, what in the world is going on with him? What's going on with this group of guys that belong in this this little community, what is different about them? Now, let's, let's make a headline here based on the word of God, all right? Here it is. God says, the actions of my people let others know higher forces are at work. 
the actions of my people. Let others know in their city and in their community that higher forces are at work, right? They do things that shock people. They serve people in shocking ways and ask for nothing back. Now, this whole counterintuitive lifestyle that you see Jesus calling his guys, that strongly conflicted with the broken male culture of his time. And we see Jesus butting heads even with his guys who are kind of thinking the way culture does, and he's got to shift them from thinking culturally, right, to thinking in a Christ-centered way. And that's, that's the transition for all of us. Here's a little vignette of that going on, and watch what happens in Luke 22. They were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. But Jesus intervened, quote, Kings like to throw their weight around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Who would you rather be? The one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I've taken my place among you as the one who serves. The servant king? Exactly. The servant king. Greatness and true power and true authority serves. Whoa. Right? That is the most countercultural thing a man in Jesus' times and even a man in our time would do or even think because that's why they worked hard. That's why they climbed the ladder. That's why they stepped over people to get in positions that are higher. That's why they amass influence and possessions and positions and titles, right? It's so that someone else could serve them because they live out of their position and their privilege. And you know what Jesus says about that mentality and about, about those behaviors? It's not, repeat, N-O-T. It's not gonna be that way with you because that's not my model, to live out of title, live out of privilege, live out of position. Well, what does he say? I've taken my place among you as the one who serves. Guys, can I just challenge every man listening to the sound of my voice or seeing the live stream? When you're among people, are you among them as one who serves? Or are you among people as one who demands to be served or likes being served? Because this is the conflict right? It's the same, same issue traveling through the centuries right to now, right? Power, possession, influence, titles, and people serve us. And then we can be assigned cultural greatness 
because people, we, we can afford to and have people serve us. Jesus flips that on its head. Greatness, Jesus says, serves other people. People see your transformation, no matter what your station in life, whether you're the head of a family or the head of a massive corporation, when you serve other people humbly and without asking for attention, that supernatural actions through the supernatural force of the Holy Spirit, and that gets supernatural results. And the main result is what has gotten inside of that guy. He used to be like this, just like all the other guys, but now he's like this. And he's serving his wife, he's serving his kids, he's serving his family, he's serving his in-laws, he's serving his extended family, he's serving his church, he's serving his community. He's becoming great. He's descending into greatness in heaven. Whoa, okay. So, higher force at work. We're a follower. He's telling his guys that broken male culture way that you see going on there, that's not gonna be you, all right? I'm among you as somebody who serves, all right? So we'll all put that in our pipe and smoke it and let the Holy Spirit really convict us, men. Because I'm telling you, it's not gonna get done. We're not gonna turn heads. We're not gonna stand out if we are behaving like all the other guys out there, right? So higher forces at work. Now, why this emphasis with Jesus? Well, he knows what's coming, all right? He knows that he's going to put his guys in a city. He's gonna fill them, transform them in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're gonna overflow and they're gonna change that city forever and change the world, forever. But for now, let's look at this emphasis because in your city, your community, your town, big or small, I don't care, everyone you meet is carrying a burden that Jesus wants to lift. Let me say that again. In your city, in your community, on your block, in your town, everyone that you meet is carrying a burden that Jesus wants to to lift. Now, how can I be so unequivocal? Why, I mean, why else then would Jesus tell a massive audience what we're going to look at next on your downloaded notes in Matthew 11? He says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, just even reading that, it's so inviting, so attractive. So why do you say that to a massive audience? Well, you say it because every one of them, he knows, is carrying a burden. And there's an automatic burden just by being on this broken, unredeemed, unjust planet 
where lots of bad things happen to good people, where there are a lot of injustices and traumas no one would write into the script of their lives. It's, it's loaded with the gravity and pressure of sin and human selfishness and the lust for power and position. And it creates struggle, struggle to get to the top, struggle to be left out. So everyone you know has a burden of some kind Jesus is speaking into. Now, it's important to kind of unpack some of the burdens that everybody has, okay? Let's talk about that, all right? Kind of the first general burden is the burden of self-sufficiency, all right? The burden of self-sufficiency. That means that it's up to you, right? You're, you're God, little G, all right? You got this. You pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No one can make that choice except for you, right? The burden of self-sufficiency, right? That you're capable in all dimensions to take care of you. And sometimes there's no choice about that. So that's kind of a loaded burden. The burden of self-sufficiency that earth puts on us. Second burden earth puts on us is through people, the burdens others put on us, okay? Those could be family burdens. Those could be marital burdens. Those could be the burdens of providing. Those could be the burdens and expectations of those who look up to you. Those could be the burdens professionally, all right? That could be the burden socially. could be the burden financially that others put on you, okay? So there's the burden of self-sufficiency, right? You gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. There's the burden that others put on us. Third, the burdens of having no mentors and no models create. You know, that, that, that's kind of like me. I mean, I grew up and my dad was a ghost. I mean, I didn't have a model. I didn't have a mentor, you know, like, and there's just millions of us dudes out there that just get thrown to the wolves, man. It's like, figure it out. No models, no mentors, no messaging, no saving of the pain. You just got to show up, see your environment, see what's going on, filter, and make your best assessment, and then just kind of go for it with nobody alongside. You know, that's what I love about this community is, and, I, and, and, and God being in our lives and giving us his word and just the goodness of the Lord acting as a model and a mentor and just, oh man, clarity, counsel, life. It's like when Peter said to Jesus, are you going to leave me too? And he goes, no way. You're the only one who has words of life, man. Aren't you glad? Can I get an amen out there? Every man nation. But it's a struggle. I mean, right now, you know, there's half our children don't have a dad in the house. And then where's the model and mentor for all the young men? Especially in our inner cities and metro urban populations. But that's also true in suburban populations and even rural populations. Right? The fourth burden that 
someone's experience. It might be the burdens religion puts on us. You know, in Jesus' day, what you got to understand, and this is why he speaks to the spiritual pressure that is on uh, folks during his time, is there were first and second class spiritual people. And it's sort of like if you're riding in the first class, um, you look at yourself different than, you know, the other people down here, right? And most did not measure up spiritually. Why? Because it was all based on men's traditions that they made up to make themselves look good, rules, rituals, dress. I mean, a handbook of all the do's and don'ts. And if you didn't strive to go after all those do's and those, I mean, it was dizzying how many rules and rituals. And you know, if you were just a common dude, you're like, I can't do that. I'm, you know, tapping out, not for me. And it pushed people away. It was so burdensome and so self-serving, right? Because if you're trying to keep the rules and then you got those who don't, then on the point system, you know, you're doing better than the other guy. So even religion, you know, there's a lot of you listening. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you were a pastor's kid or maybe you went to a church that just said, well, um, are you doing this, 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 and this, and this? Well, if you're not, then you must not be a Christian. Wow. Okay. So it's what you do that saves you. It's what you do that sanctifies you. Not what the Bible says. Jesus saved me. What he did. It's done already. And my life, if I do want to learn his way and practice his ways, that's a thank you to him for what he already did. Can I get an amen, every man nation? Wow. Okay, so back to my original point. Everybody around you is under one of these burdens. They're trying to do it alone, act self-sufficiently. There's burdens others put on them, which are myriad and various. There's also the burden of just being alone, no mentors, no models, that that creates that. And then you even have religion throwing burdens down on people that just feel, gosh, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna make it, right? Same then, same now, all right? So if you know that everyone around you, everyone, and we're starting with the baseline, they're on planet Earth, all right? That's a burden in and of itself. But everybody around you has a burden of some kind. Uh, that is, that's, that context of having a burden, remember how I had a burden, and that was the context for experience a reducing of the burden. If we know that people are burdened, then that's the context for reducing the burden. That is custom built for a believing man of God to enter a burden and shine the light of Christ and be salt and be a fragrance of Christ and to overflow. That's why Paul coaching up believers says this in Galatians 6. Look on your downloaded notes. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete 
Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. Whoa! So, God sees all the burdens that people are under. As followers, he sees that we're next to those burdens and that believers can enter into those burdens in Christ and in the power of his spirit living in them, we can enter into them and reduce them. And when people feel that displacement, how do they feel? They don't feel burdened. They feel, they feel light, right? We make people's lives lighter and that glorifies God and that brings a kingdom witness in. So now let's get to the guts of this. In my city, how does the Holy Spirit want to help me, I mean, <laughs> help others by using me to reduce the loads of others? Number one, by deciding to show up and share the pressure, right? By deciding to show up and share the pressure. Now, when you're thinking about how to release Holy Spirit power in a city, a city block, a community, or a town. Just remember one thing, right? Everyday life is hard. Just remember that. And if you remember that and you're aware, man, everyday life is hard, right? Uh, you'll, you'll now have the mindset of showing up and sharing in the pressures uh, of life. You know, I, I just love how super, the supernatural becomes supernatural through God's man, Titus. Let's read about him in 2 Corinthians 7. Just listen. This is great, about showing up and sharing the pressure. When we arrived in, Mas in Macedonia province, we couldn't settle down. The fights in the church and the fears in our hearts kept us on pins and needles. We couldn't relax because we didn't know how it would turn out. Then... The God who lifts up the downcast lifted our heads and our hearts with the arrival of Titus. Oh my gosh. So if you just kind of track the language, couldn't settle down, fights, fears, pins, needles, can't relax, unsure about how it's going to turn out. What do we do with those burdens? All right. Send God's man. His name is Titus. So the man of God arrives, and his name is Titus, and look at how they write about him. Look at how Paul writes about one man, right? right? He arrives, and all of a sudden, all those pressures get, get redistributed, right? And Titus starts lifting heads. He starts lifting hearts just by showing up and sharing the pressure. Are you kidding me? Like, you don't know how much pressure you can relieve just by your very presence. Think about it. There's stuff going on. Man of God enters that space, that environment. He's filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts giving him wisdom and insight into how to kind of displace that pressure. You know, because... Titus didn't have all of that anxiety and fear and concern in him. He just walked into it. So he didn't have all of that going on, those conflicts. He could just be a part of the solution. Do you think that in your city, in your community, and on your block, people feel like that? 
And you know who they're waiting on? They're waiting on you to kind of enter in to the pressure and help displace it and redistribute it and lift up some heads and some hearts. Wow. Think about it if we did it, not just as individuals, but think about a large scale assault on a city by an entire community of thousands of spirit empowered men. That's what we're committed to doing here at Everyman in cities in 2023 and 2024. Okay, so in your city, the Holy Spirit helps you reduce the loads of others by deciding to just show up and share the pressure. Second, he does it by providing what's missing. Okay, so the Holy Spirit has made significant kingdom impact, influence, and overflow this simple. Ready for it? Fill the hole. All right, we read about that in Acts 4. It says this, the whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus and grace was on all of them. You see the culture there? You see the mindset? You see how spirit-filled and empowered people think? Right? I remember um, we were at church and there was a sound guy and it was kind of leading up to lunchtime. I don't know if you're like me, but you know, so many problems can be solved by feeding a man food. And <laughs> I remember this one guy's just like, ah, oh, no, I, I brought an orange. I mean, the dude was six, seven, like 280. He's like, no, I'll bring. And at that second, the Holy Spirit said to me, go across the street right? Go to Salinda's, buy him a carne asada burrito, guacamole, and chips. I just like, okay, that makes sense. Like his stomach's going to have a massive hole, an orange ink, and a fillet. He's got four more hours to work. He needs to be filled. There's a hole that needs to be filled. <laughs> I'm not lying. So I leave. I go across the street. I go to Salinda's. I get a massive carne asada burrito, chips, guac, and I come walking through. I'm like, I'm like, no orange. Here you go. Matt, you, oh man. You should have seen the look on this guy's face. It was like, wait, what? You would do that for me? And man, I gotta say, I, I'm just fortunate that you know, I didn't blow that thought off. I, I've blown many off, I gotta be honest, but I'm really glad I didn't blow that one off <laughs> because it was really something. Listen, <sighs> there's a lot of guys just like that. Maybe their need isn't physical. Maybe it's another need. Maybe they just need a leg up. Maybe they just need a loan that you don't need back. Maybe they need it for a month. Um, maybe they need some clothes. Maybe, I'm telling you, when the man of God is in the presence of a need and there's something missing, unequivocally, the man of God is there to fill it or find a way. I know that you can't fill and meet every need that you see, but I know that there are many holes that are right around you that you may not even know about 
burdens that are being carried and you can provide what's missing. But that's how you reduce the loads of other people, right? You show up, you share the pressure, you provide what's missing. Number three, by praying God's word over issues weighing people down, okay? Now here's where I wanna just connect the burdens all around us with prayer and God's word, okay? Let's read Ephesians 6 on your downloaded notes. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential. In this ongoing warfare, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open, right? Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Do you get the picture there? There's God's word in a man. There's the access and authority he has to God himself. There is this ongoing warfare that he's supposed to deploy himself and the weapons of presence, the word of God and prayer into. And then there's the command to pray, pray for your brothers and sisters. And then there's this, it's like radar on, keep your eyes open. Our job, man of God, men of God, is to keep people's spirits up right? How do you do that? How do you help reduce the load of another person through that? Well, you pray over them. You pray God's word over them. You pray God's word over the issues that are weighing them down. You, you apply God's word in prayer over that person, and it lifts that issue to God. Wow. Now, Make no mistake, I may not have all the resources to take on all the burdens around me, but I know someone who can, and his name is Jesus. And he has something to say about the issues facing people, and he wants to lift that burden, and he wants to use me. But listen, I gotta know God's word to pray God's word over somebody. I gotta know his promises, I gotta know what he says, I gotta know his heart in order to speak his heart and to pray his heart and to pray his promise over someone who needs to feel lighter. Now, I've done thousands of psychosocial assessments in my mental health career. But you know one of the most significant modalities, especially for suicide intervention and burden lifting is I would always I would say, can I pray for you? And after listening to the burdens and the issues or the addictions or the depressions or the anxieties that are connected to all the burdens, I would take that person and I would just say something like, hey, look, I, just imagine I'm just taking your hand and we're just gonna walk into the presence of Jesus. And then, man, I would just, pray God's word. I mean, God, your word says, God, your word says, God, your word says. And I pray your word over my brother. I pray your word over my, can you do that? You know, I know that there's burdens all around you. And I know that you may not be able to meet all of those needs around you, either physically or financially or materially, but you know somebody who can. And whether the, the issue and the burden is emotional or literal and physical or professional, man, Show up, share the pressure, provides what's missing to the extent of your abilities, but then pray God's word. Can I pray for you? Just did that the other day with a, with a brother. 
going through a really hard time in his business and that's leaking into his marriage. And man, after we prayed, you could just sense over the phone the exhale, all right? Here's the fourth and final way the Holy Spirit helps me reduce the loads of others in my city or community. And it's by providing insight from the Holy Spirit. Let's get right to this on your downloaded notes. Listening to Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit. But when the friend comes, the Spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. Um, just a corrective note, it's John 16, 13. On the screen, I think it says Acts. But it's John 16, 13. And I want to unpack that. But when the friend comes, the Spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. So, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit delivers wisdom, listen, in real time, in real spaces, for God's purposes. Holy Spirit's God. Holy Spirit delivers wisdom into the burdened situation in real time, in real spaces, for God's purposes. Now, here's why this is relevant, right? When you're under a lot of pressure, is your thinking, because of the emotions involved in all that pressure, is your thinking, does it become more clear or a little cloudy and confusing? I don't know. I When I'm under a ton of pressure and there's a lot of issues and things are going on, whew, you know, and then I start feeling bad or sad or I get more confused. You know, it's almost paralyzing sometimes. And you know what I appreciate? I appreciate like when I talk to my friend Paul or I talk to my friend Jeff or a brother in the Lord and they're not in my stuff. They're clear, right? And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and, and they start cutting away. No, it's not fatal. They cut away. It's not final. No, it's, you're not doomed. Uh, there is a way. They, they just start clearing out all of the bad thinking that the pressure's creating. Um, it's important because you need truth in those moments of burden and loss or struggle. Okay, you need clarity and you need to see reality. You know, that the reality is that, hey, there's a God who loves you. I love you. There's a God who loves you. If I can provide what's missing, I'm going to provide what's missing. But if I can't provide what's missing, then we're going to pray and we're going to declare a supernatural word from God's word over that issue. And he can meet your need, no problem. And, um, but hey, here's a little bit of wisdom. Aren't you glad to be around people who know what they're doing when you don't? Or when you're under, like, under pressure and burden. Now, the Bible talks about how wonderful and needed wisdom is. From the Proverbs chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, it says this, So now you can pick out what's true and fair. You can find all the good trails. Lady Wisdom will be your close friend and Brother Knowledge your pleasant companion. Good Sense will scout ahead for danger. Insight will keep an eye out for you. They'll keep you from making wrong turns or following the bad directions, listen, 
of those who are lost themselves and can't tell a trail from a tumbleweed, these losers who make a game of evil and throw parties to celebrate perversity, traveling paths that go nowhere, wandering in a maze of detours and dead ends. Now, before you excuse yourselves from that maze of detours and dead ends, you're looking at a guy who took detours and dead ends when I was confused and cloudy in life. And I know there's a lot of you listening that, you know, you're either in a detour and a dead end or your thinking is, is cloudy. And you know what emotions cloud? Wisdom. You know, that's why they call them blinding emotions. Anger, sadness, disillusionment, disappointment. Those are all clouding, right, emotions, blinding. They, they blind you to the reality that all is not lost. All who wander are not lost. There is a way back, but you just can't see it because you're, you're under that burden of your circumstances or whatever is creating those negative emotions inside of you. I mean, that's what I love about wisdom. Wisdom cuts through there like a penetrating laser, you know? And in the Bible, it personifies wisdom in chapter two of Proverbs, it's like lady wisdom, brother knowledge, good sense. These are all, it's like a companion. Um, and the Holy Spirit, as we've read in John 16, 13, he takes people by the hand and he guides them into truth and reality. So there's the Holy Spirit, there's truth and there's reality. And then there's circumstances and feelings and lies and self-perceptions and, and perception about what's going on that's not reality. So what we need is insight from the Holy Spirit. And guess who the delivery agent is for that? Well, it's the people in whom the Holy Spirit lives. You and me. So there's, there's four simple ways. What have we said today? Everybody's burdened, right? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Here's easy ways to reduce the loads of others. When you reduce the loads of others, like all those guys showing up in the flatbed in front of my house, in practical and spiritual ways, just covered those, in your city, on your block, in your community, what happens? the glory of God happens. People feel lighter, people sense God as Jesus in you begins to carry their burdens. Now, there's an example in the Bible and it's in Act, the book of Acts chapter six of just a vignette of how spirit-empowered men, right, reduce the loads of others in their city. We read about it in Acts 6, it says this, widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, also Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. 
the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what do you got? You got a need, a burden, they become aware of it, they figure out who felt alone, they figured out who was burdened, it was a group of widows that were being left out in the distribution of food. What is the solution? Men full of faith, men full of the Holy Spirit, an individual leader, a collective of these kinds of men, they assign them the mission to reduce the loads of those widows. What's the outcomes? The word of God spreads quickly, right, through these dangerous good men reducing the loads of others, right? The number of disciples, that means people come to know the Lord. They become followers of the way, of Jesus. That increases rapidly. So the word spreads. People come to know the Lord. That increases rapidly. And guess what? Those, those, those really religious guys, right, they become believers, right? The people who thought they could work their way to heaven, you know, be perfect, do all the right things, they're liberated from that bondage and religious spirit, and they're brought into this kingdom that has grace and truth in it. Whoa, so, the city, Jerusalem experiences this. How about your city, your block, your community, your town. What God models for us here in the book of Acts is meant for us, men. And that's why Every Man Ministries is committed to dangerous good city transformation conferences. We wanna gather, we wanna form groups, and we wanna deploy you to serve your city. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the regional footprint or you're in the suburban footprint or you're at the heart of the beast in your city, right? All of us, right, need to serve the cities that we're connected to. And how do you do that, right? You reduce the burdens of others. So we want to do that. I've been talking about that. We want to go to several cities in 2023 and 2024. We need your help to do it. We want to bless cities. We're not going to ask for a thing. But I know that there's, there's some people out there who are like, you know what? This is the kind of city transformation we need. This kind of city transformation, spirit-empowered men going into spaces and places and bringing God's love and justice by the thousands, that resonates with me. I wanna be a part of that. Well, you can participate, you can provide material support, you can provide financial support. I mean, this is millions of dollars for all of these cities. And we're not gonna ask for a thing, we're just gonna come and bless men. So if you wanna be a part of that, just hit us up, go to the website, Right, contact us at Everyman Ministries and let us know. You're like, I'm in, I wanna give, I wanna participate, all right? But I want, what I want you to see is they figured it out, right? They heard, they didn't blow it off, like that a lot of things are happening, but they didn't blow it off. And man, once they entered that space and that environment and started doing that, the word starts spreading. People start coming to know the Lord. The number of disciples in Jerusalem, in the city, increased, man, we're, we're giving eagle, evil a hit in the mouth, right? That's what happened here. That's the model. That's what's going to happen in the months and days to come through Everyman City Transformation Conferences. So 
decide, man of God, to show up. Just start doing it, right? And to share the pressure. Decide to provide what's missing. You see a hole, just ask. What do you need? You need anything? If you can do it, fill the hole. If you can't, pray God's word over the issue, right? Or maybe you can be used by God to just provide some insight. So I'm gonna pray. <clears throat> We're gonna commit ourselves as men of the city, right? Men of the community, men of the town that we live in because God's calling us to serve that city, that community, that block, that town, individually and collectively as spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. Let's pray. <sighs> Holy Spirit, it feels amazing to know that my load of guilt and sin has been lifted and replace with just a feathery blanket of forgiveness and hope from you, Jesus. There are, there's no words that can properly express my gratitude for you lifting that load off of me. And there's men out there that you, that's what you need to do. You just need to invite Christ to come lift the load of guilt and sin. By saying, Jesus, you are God. And Jesus, through your death and resurrection, I receive from myself your lifting and your replacing my guilt and shame with your forgiveness and hope right now. I receive it. Jesus, thank you for continuing to carry and lighten my burdens in my fight with sin. Thank you for easing my struggle by helping make sense of my circumstances. Thank you for bringing peace to my panic over the future. And in this moment, Lord, I accept. I accept the mission to bring the same relief to others. Lord, help me to clearly see the border of where my abilities end and yours begin. Help me see simple ways I can be used to reduce heavy loads people are carrying by maybe providing what's missing, maybe by supplying insight, maybe by entering into opportunities to pray, or maybe by simply making myself the answer to the prayer. So Lord, I personally commit and with my brothers and in all the communities that share this live stream, Lord, use us, use us to do some heavy lifting, Lord. We are your servants. Help us to start lightening the loads in our own first mile responsibilities with our wives and children, and then move us beyond those borders to the second mile for people that we can help. Jesus, together, we pray now for the burdened around us. And we ask you to lift their burden and to use us. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. If you like this, share this live stream and we'll see you next week.